Ladies and gentlemen, warning, spoilers ahead. G'day. Fancy meeting you here. I'm planning. What? Um, I, yeah, yeah, no, I saw you from over there. Well, I wasn't actually sure it was you, I was just having a perv. Nice legs. Looking pretty fit yourself. No, no, I need some sun. At least you've got a tan. Tan my arms and legs. The rest of me is as wide as a gust. Looks all right to me. You didn't come and see Dad? Well, I didn't think you wanted me to. Yeah, look. Sorry I was a bit off last time I saw you, but... I wasn't sure how you'd react to Dad, you know? It's not the most romantic thing in the world, is it, looking after your father after he's had a stroke? Thought you might think it was too domestic. <laughs> Look, the thing is, um... I'd really like to see you again. Good evening, and welcome to television. Hello. Hello. Hi there. Hi. Whoa. I'm Wayne Stellini and welcome to Fred Watch, where we view and review everything from the mainstream to the obscure. Staying together while we're keeping ourselves apart for lockdown number six in the beautiful state of Victoria, I'd like to welcome back the equally beautiful Kendall Richardson. Oh, stop it now. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for having me back once again. I love nothing more than to have you on this podcast, Kendall. So thanks for coming back to talk movies with me. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited to get into today's film. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. Lockdown life, do the best you can. But, you know, the best things about lockdowns is more opportunity to watch amazing things and some not so amazing things. Yeah, more time to watch things and that, you know, means that the pool of selection, we're more likely to find some some duds. But safe to say, we pick well. I think so. Hope so. I think so. (laughs) I think we pick well today. Wayne, what are we reviewing? Well, today we're reviewing 1994's Australian comedy drama, The Sum of Us. Please explain. David Stevens' multi-award-winning script, based on his play of the same name, follows widower Harry Mitchell. Jack Thompson, and his 24-year-old gay son, Jeff, Russell Crowe, who are both struggling to find true love. They think they find it when Jeff goes on a date with closeted gardener Greg, John Paulson, one evening, and Harry meets conservative divorcee Joyce, Deborah Kennedy, through a dating service. With a number of stellar performances to his name, particularly Andy in Proof and Hando in Romper Stomper, The Sum of Us marked Russell Crowe's final Australian film before his focus turned to American productions, which ultimately established him as a Hollywood leading man. So, Kendall, did everything add up for you in The Sum of Us? (laughs) Yes, most definitely did it ever. I really, really like this movie quite a bit. Mm -hmm. It's just ridiculously charming and just kind of the like a nice kind of life-affirming film. I mean, it was bittersweet in a lot of ways, of course, because of certain certain things that happen, character moments that occur throughout the whole film. But it's a really nice, you know, not to not to make a pun, but it's a nice summation of, mm. of life. 
and life when you're trying to find love and just the things that happen and the relationships you form with people and whether things work out or they don't work out or you know or there's a gray area there who knows but yeah I just I just thought it was beautiful all around and I was really captivated by the entire cast the performances were five by five across the board especially Jack Thompson and Russell Crowe knocked it out of the park 100%. So believable as father and son, like so believable. The chemistry between them was so natural, effortless, really. Um, Yeah. Oh my goodness. I just, I just adored, adored it really. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What did, what did you think? What was your overall take? Yeah. Well, it's been a while since I've seen this movie. In fact, I have only seen it once before and it was when I was in high school, which was, a lifetime ago. <laughs> so a few decades later, I've revisited this movie. I remember really enjoying it then. And I do have to say, I've enjoyed it probably even more now. You know what? It's a product of its time. Mm. And I don't mean that in a bad way, because I think context is everything. Because I think there are certain bits of dialogue and not so much scenarios. I'll stick with the dialogue. I think there are certain bits of dialogue that you wouldn't put in this story if it were made today, as in like fresh off the yeah. bat, someone thought of it today. There's yeah. some there's some bits I think that you wouldn't put because there's a lot of standing up and advocating for, for Jeff and Jeff's sexuality. And I don't necessarily think that we wouldn't have these types of conversations today because there are less conservative people in the world. I don't think that's it at all. I, I, you know, I don't think that even setting the story now would make Jeff or Greg's individual rites of passages and their journeys as individuals. I don't think it would necessarily be any easier. Yes, we're in more progressive times, but I don't think that that necessarily makes things easier when you're going through the self-identification and trying to find your place in the world and and trying Mm -hmm. to find somebody else to share your place in the world. Uh, You know, these are all things that we can identify with and relate to, but when you're a part of the LGBTQIA plus community, it's just that little bit more difficult, regardless whether it's, you know, 1994 or or 2021, uh, it does not matter. But there are those moments where, you know, especially we've got Harry talking to camera, sort of talking about his process of accepting Jeff and what he had wanted for his son. And he's always really, I guess, standing up for him in some way or another. It's a little, I think, heavy handed sometimes in saying that again, context is everything. And when it was made, he says, everything that needs to be said to the audience of the day. So whilst one could argue, like I have suggested, that maybe some elements seem a bit forced, a bit preachy, a bit heavy-handed, I don't necessarily think that's the case based on when it was made. And for me, even if it was a bit, hey, let me stand on my soapbox, (laughs) I think think it's appropriate for the time the film was made. So that's not going to be a criticism on my part at all. But it's just, I've just pointed that as an example of how I think it really reflects the time that uh, this film was made, that the time the, the play it is based on was produced and made. And I think that that's really important. That's really significant. (laughs) We're talking 
mid 90s the play was probably just that a few years earlier I'm not sure when the play was written but maybe late 80s early 90s and we think about what the queer community was going through yeah you know we do have brief mentions and discussions about it in in terms of the HIV AIDS crisis it was a very much a real thing and mm-hmm. you know, the sum of us is, is important, especially in terms of queer representation, not only in Australian cinema, but global cinema, really. Openly gay characters who are not caricatures, who are not villains, who, yeah. who are just real people. They are. Incredibly rare. Yeah. Um, and one, one of the things that actually came to mind while I was watching the story of Harry and Jeff unfold, their relationship, the way they live, the way they speak to one another, what they go through, you know, how they protect each other, how they argue. It's incredibly rare to to see people on screen who are just so authentic. They are so far removed from Hollywood (laughs) and from, you know, anything a bit fairy tale and, you know, and glitzy or anything. They are incredibly real people i found yeah um, i agree just so, like just the way we're introduced to them is mm-hmm. stunning and you know even though uh, russell crowe as jeff begins the film with a bit of a narration we don't necessarily expect the constant uh, fourth wall breaks that they have and there, there's that nod to theater right yes. but i like how the directors jeff burton and kevin dowling do it really subtly with this it begins with a bit of a look to camera and that's it or maybe a bit of a wink or a nod yeah you know you don't really know well hang on did they just acknowledge me (laughs) but we we're invited into their world Mm -hmm. and we accept that invitation because it's so relatable i think regardless of who you are these are suburban folks so that was one of the things that really struck me was just how well written the characters are. Like for, for me, Harry is probably too good to be true. <laughs> He's the embarrassing dad who um, is too supportive if that's a way of, of saying anything. And uh, I, I don't know about you, Kendall, but when, when he was sitting on the couch next to Greg... <laughs> Uh, essentially leading into a safe sex talk with uh, porn magazines in hand. I was having flashes to American Pie. <laughs> oh, my God. It is, it is Eugene Levy before he was, you know, in American Pie. It's, exa- it's that character. You're Absolutely. right. Absolutely. You're right. And, you know, yeah, American Pie was made like about five years later. Yeah. <laughs> but it just... Except maybe Harry's less awkward. Yeah. You know? <laughs> And I think, you know what, that's what makes the scene probably awkward because I think we're like Greg squirming a little bit. The fact that he's just way too comfortable. (laughs) Oh, man. Is there, but I mean, yeah, but I guess there is even this slight awkwardness from Harry about, oh, you know, I don't want to freak this kid out, but how do I essentially tell him, protect my son and keep my son safe? Because that's, mm. where, that's where it's coming from, really. Of you know, course. it's coming from this place of fear because, yes, he wants Jeff to find love. He's happy for Jeff to go have fun and to have as many men as he likes under his belt. But he does want to keep him safe because, again, it's reflected 
of the mood of the time, specifically when we're talking about gay men. So, you know, you've got these little hints uh, throughout that really keep us in check about when this film was made. So it's, yeah, it's it's quite lovely that it reminds us that it's a 90s movie, mm. but it could still be made very much today because it's still so relatable. Mm. Yeah, can you have an overall thought about our two leading men? <laughs> <This lovely laughs> characters, this father and son. Oh. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Again, like I said, they're just the heart and soul of this film couldn't really have two better actors two better characters to spend 90 to 100 minutes with Mm. because they're just they're just wonderful and I loved I loved everything about their dynamic so much like it like it's like you said authentic is the word it feels like they could just be your your next door neighbor right like they're just so natural so organic in in the way that they're playing it in the way that they just live in this tiny little house in this street in Sydney, like nothing flash, like you said, nothing fancy or anything, you know. Jeff's a, a plumber, mm. for, for God's sake, you know. He's not a, he's, he's not a hotshot lawyer or, or an actor mm. coming up or anyway. Like, you know, he's a tradie, you know. Um, and, yeah, and it's just, yeah, a lot of realness to their relationship and to the two of them as characters and just the way that they carry themselves in both of their respective lifestyles. They're both very confident Mm. men, but they do come with their insecurities. Neither of them want to be alone, clearly, but they're also not afraid to to put themselves out there and Mm. to be vulnerable. So they're very sensitive men, both of them. The fact that one of them's straight, one of them's gay doesn't matter. They're both sensitive, well-rounded men, I think, who have healthy attitudes towards romance and towards the way that their significant others should be treated so basically I really felt that Harry as Jeff's father is just outstanding like as real as he is he also just felt kind of too good to be true Mm. in a way just because of how how comfortable and okay he was and accepting he was of Jeff being who he is because it's, it, it's a very common story to not have parents accepting of their kids if they're different in any way, yeah. let alone their sexual orientation. And we and see I that just, through Greg, don't we? We do. We yeah. really, oh my God, I love, I really love that juxtaposition of the, the two different situations, the living situations both Jeff mm. and Greg are going through and how one compares to the other and the two fathers compare with the other. And it's just insane but so such an important and integral part to the story to really I guess it kind of reminds the viewer that whilst you know Harry and Jeff's relationship you know as father and son is is very strong and Harry is very understanding and accepting you know it's not going to be the same everywhere yeah and I just you know that was really really heartbreaking to see the struggle that Greg had to go through and the fact that you know, even though he, he's, you know, talking about things being too domestic, which made me laugh a little bit. But I think for me, I really just kind of interpreted his reaction and decision to leave Jeff after Harry kept interrupting mm. hilariously um, <laughs> was just because he's here and he's seeing how open Jeff is allowed to be in his own home 
and yeah. how accept, accepting his father is of him whilst he's still hiding his true self from his parents. And it's just sad. So I feel like he was just, I don't know if jealousy is the right word or maybe it's just some kind of self-sabotage through maybe some form of self-hate, I suppose, because he doesn't have that life as the life he dreams of. And it's just being around Jeff is a reminder of what he can't have at this point. I think that that's what it is, uh, Kendall, yeah. more than anything. I think yeah. because you're right, like Harry is too good to be true, right? And yeah. he is he is an extreme <laughs> of acceptance, okay? And I'll, I'll probably I'll mention this a little bit later, though, that I, I think whilst he is very open and very accepting, it's not at 100%, I don't think. And I feel like the, the, the film has little hints of that very, very subtly. But... Yeah, incredibly a lot more accepting than most in the human history (laughs) of human beings and cinema. And what I think that does for Greg is that because Greg is closeted, he's already bullied by his father because he likes to dance. And he does have that line when he's standing up for his, you know, love of dance to say, well, I didn't do ballet because we associate ballet uh, with effeminate people and effeminate things. And so, you know, I, I might be a dancer, but I'm a masculine dancer. I'm a man. He's already othered within his own home. Yeah. And what I think happens when he goes to Jeff's house, it is enforced how much of the other he is because like you've said he can't have this he can't envision his family especially his dad being like this and you're right it's looking at this dynamic between father and son that is strange to him it's alien but it's clearly not impossible because he's witnessing it he's seeing it unfold He's having beer with Harry. They're making jokes. Harry talks about going to a gay venue, being picked up almost by a gay patron and being given a a female name. And then they, you know, to and fro and just have this wonderful, wonderful bond. And I can really appreciate that that would make you miss what you've never had. And that's this type of, close relationship with your father and i think that that's that's what harry serves for greg is that whilst harry is a wonderful man and very loving i think it's confronting for greg because it is almost that too good to be true yeah but yes it is true but but it can't be true (laughs) right so I find the scenes between Harry, Jeff and Greg together, especially in that first half of the movie, probably some of the, the more um, in-depth ones, I think. I think there's a lot to unpack with, yeah. those, with the dynamics between the three because you've always got Harry sort of taking Greg away <laughs> for a drink or to tell a story or to hand him porn. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Lord. <laughs> Even to the point of not only to sort of break into a talk about safe sex, but it's like, oh, if you need a hand getting aroused and things like that, I'm just like, what? It's not a sperm bank. What are you doing? Yeah, literally. <laughs> who, who does that? Like, literally, who does that? Anyway. 
so yeah it, it's quite interesting and the harry jeff dynamic again you know we've said it time and time again already how quite beautiful and special it is i find it really interesting when we first meet the pair how we see gender performance between the two because we've got a heterosexual man who is incredibly maternal and domestic and we've got a homosexual man who is quite blokey and who's as you said is a tradie who cracks open a beer who's sweaty and smelly and these aren't the type of stereotypes that we associate with heterosexual and homosexual people so straight away we're being told this is not like any other story you're going to see. This isn't just going to be two-dimensional caricatures and, and, and you know, cardboard characters that you will see in, in stories. We're really giving these characters complexities. And they then also bicker about really minute things. So you can tell, and this, like, you know, you, you said before, Kendall, about just the relationship between Jack Thompson and Russell Crowe and just the rapport between them and how perfectly cast they are. It is in the performances. Absolutely. Mm. It's also in the script as well. The fact that they argue over turning the tap (laughs) in the shower to make sure there's no leakage or there's no drip. (laughs) The fact is that, Oh, you know, you're reading at the table. That's rude. And I hate it when you push the plate away when you're finished (laughs) eating your meal. These are things that you only notice and comment upon if you've lived with someone for a really long time. And at the end of the day, these things bug you, but you're only bringing them up because it's probably, there's probably a greater issue there. And I think for these guys, they're both sexually frustrated. But, you know, my point in that incredibly long spiel there was these characters are lived in. They've got history. They've got backstories. And little moments like that, little touches like that reveal that these are really fleshed out characters, I think. Because any of us who have lived with somebody (laughs) has had conversations similar to these. Like, it's amazing how the tiniest thing can set you off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they and they show that here. It's just, I, I really like the, the domestic moments, I think. I, for me, the, the bits that are in the home, in the Mitchell family home, are just exquisite for me. So I think that the recurring theme through The Sum of Us is definitely the idea of loneliness and not wanting to be alone. Um, you know, mm-hmm. Harry's quite open about that as well. He had, a, a, you know, the, the love of his life um, is his deceased wife. He doesn't want to be alone. That's why he's trialing dating service. And he doesn't want Jeff to be alone either. And we get other examples of this theme of loneliness. One is that Greg doesn't feel like he can always be himself. So, you know, that's a sense of loneliness. And I think sometimes even how we were talking before about Greg going over to Harry and Jeff's house and just seeing how they bounce off each other and how accepting Harry is, I think that that can reiterate loneliness if you don't have a relationship like that. Yeah, um, 100%. You know, kind of like how I was saying, you know, he's, he's othered, he's sort of pushed to the outer even more so 
um, in this accepting space because it's a space that doesn't belong to him. And it's a space he's not really comfortable with at first because he's not used to it, right? Mm -hmm. We also get how Jeff talks about seeing that woman on the train when he went to Melbourne to sort of pursue and follow his ex-boyfriend or a a boy that he particularly liked and I think had dated for about three months, I think it was. And just seeing this woman who was drunk was sort of soothing herself with alcohol and, you know, has this bit of a a throwaway line uh, that for him struck him really because he had just been going through a breakup and you know, was pursuing somebody who obviously had moved on and who wanted other things and Jeff wasn't a part of that. So Jeff connected with her in that moment. And, you know, he says that he thinks about her every now and then, and I guess he would in his moments of loneliness. And I think what's wonderful about that little flashback is because we've got two people who are complete strangers we have a young man we have an older woman we may like to assume she's a heterosexual woman so again there's some opposites there Um, they've got different stories they don't interact they don't talk to one another I've always sensed that when she you know speaks and and things like that on the train she's really just thinking out loud it's not a long scene but again there's a lot you can unpack a lot from it because I think that it almost haunts Jeff because he's still young. There's a lot of life left for him and a lot of opportunities. And he's almost seeing a potential future of somebody yeah. who hasn't had, you know, those, th- those opportunities or who's let opportunities missed or has been quite disappointed. It's quite a touching flashback. And the way that Russell Crowe performs in it, and the way, um, you know, he performs surrounding that scene, talking about it is absolutely beautiful. You really feel it. It's him at his most vulnerable, I think. And yeah. he's vulnerable throughout, uh, like you'd said. And I think, you know, when he's got that awkwardness and that, and that nervousness and, you know, he's, he's such a handsome guy. He's got that beautiful broad smile. He's very friendly. Um, he looks quite approachable, but yet he's got all of this insecurity, <laughs> you know, and I think that that also amps up Harry wanting to help him and, and things like that. Just even comments like that about how much aftershave you're wearing. Uh, <laughs> Harry really does just want the best and they do want, the best for each other and I think the underlying thing they want for each other is not to be lonely they're both two men looking for love we also have the character of Joyce uh, played wonderfully by Deborah Kennedy and not an easy role to play I think because in the realms of this story she has to be quite antagonistic but she doesn't get to that point until we've gotten to know her and actually like her (laughs) because even villains if you will and I don't really want to I don't really think she's a villain but in terms of where she fits into this story she's not really on on the good side of things but you know they're, they're complex as well and she has that moment after she sees Harry in bed that she realizes how stupid she's been she has that line after Jeff invites her in openly, is very welcoming and wants her to be there for Harry as making the cup of tea and and things like that. 
he's just very beautiful and spirited there. And I think just really happy that somebody is there to visit his dad. And when she leaves, she says, you're nothing like I expected. And it's reinforcing how this film wants to really break stereotypes. We see it in yeah. general performance. We see it in terms of the way masculinities and femininities are expressed. I think it's quite lovely that Greg is masculine looking, but yet he's there dancing on a float in Mardi Gras. He's a tradie in his own right, but he works with gardens and flowers. You know, so I think like even Greg, you can see this gorgeous balance of masculinity and femininity. I think you get it with Joyce as well. I think the fact that they dress her in a certain way, that she's always dressed almost not necessarily power suits, but it's always this sort of semi-formal or formal way. She's never sort of totally relaxed or, or anything. It's almost like it's it's a, this show of strength, <clears throat> which we you know associate <clears throat> with uh, with masculine traits. The hair is cut short. She you know, is a single mother, so she's had to be mum and dad. So we can unravel about these characters as well. But yeah, I think for me, gender stereotypes and and the way we look at gender is explored in this film. And it's quite lovely to some degree. <laughs> it's unfortunate that it happens this way, but it, it does. That by the end of the movie, we've got Jeff and Harry switching roles. The fact that Jeff is then the primary caregiver for Harry and is doing things that a caregiver will do in terms of feeding bathing, cleaning after going to the toilet, all of these things, and essentially putting his whole life on hold. And again, because the carer in this situation is a 24-year-old man, that's somebody who's essentially saying, I am sacrificing everything to look after you because I love you and you're my dad. There's something very sad and something very sweet about it. And Harry knows this. He acknowledges this which is why he goes absolutely crazy on his little buzzer on his wheelchair when they see Greg in the supermarket. He's like, oh my God. You know, don't let him, don't let him go away. So yeah, there's a lot of sweet moments there, I think. Yeah, absolutely. My goodness. Yeah. Joyce is such an interesting character because she's kind of, at first, she's, you know, she's a really nice foil for Harry because, mm. you know, they're both in similar situations, you know, unfortunately no longer married and looking for love, like you said, loneliness is definitely explored because neither of them want to be alone and just because they're entering their middle age doesn't mm. mean that they can't still have meaningful romantic relationships so it was so interesting to see I forgot all about like dating services like this like this is the precursor <laughs> yeah. to online dating right? like what, absolutely what we have now no one's so, swiping left or right here <laughs> no, no swiping of any kind um but it was really kind of nice just the fact that Harry who someone is kind of would strike me as more of a traditional romantic I think the fact that he's willing to do something a bit unconventional to sort of as a means to an end. And, you know, and the fact that he connects with Joyce instantly. I mean, they both strike up a connection and we get this lovely montage that's been going on for days, weeks, feels like maybe a month or two 
at least and they're entered into this beautiful relationship and when you're that age and you're only dating a couple of months why not get engaged I mean (laughs) yeah the timeline's not very clear that's one of the things that I noticed I was just like it almost seems like he met her last week and he's already talking quite openly about getting married and he hasn't met her daughter Jenny we assume that because there's never any discussion of that or any reference to it and she hasn't met Jeff yet so you feel like that they've not been together for that long no well that's the interesting part that I wondered about uh, because I mean clearly Joyce has been talking to her daughter about Harry and about you know or maybe not even Harry specifically but the fact that she's seeing a gentleman because she knows about it we see little scenes of you know them talking about it and where it's going and all of this and meanwhile the boys are like not talking about it (laughs) Jeff's in the dark I was shocked like for 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 father and son they're as close as they appear to be or as close as they're introduced to us in the beginning of the film it was weird to me that Harry didn't mention the fact that he was seeing Joyce and maybe that does kind of go along with your wondering as well maybe they just have not been together that long and so Harry maybe was like well look it's only been a few weeks let's not get ahead of ourselves I don't want to tell Jeff in case it doesn't work out or this you know maybe xyz reasons but I don't really explore why but you know we get a nice little scene when they're you know I think it's when they're looking for Christmas trees it's when he finds out I'm pretty Mm. sure yeah and that was a really nice scene and interesting because just to touch on it quickly the fact that Jeff casually mentions to to his dad that he did sleep with women and uh, (laughs) immediately immediately Harry jumps on it and and I think that kind of speaks to what you were saying earlier about how he's yeah. You know, there are ways in this movie where he's maybe not the ally we think he is. You got it spot on, Kendall. That was the exact scene yeah. I was alluding to. I think, yes, he is incredibly supportive of Jeff. And I think also, you know how we've been saying that Harry does seem to be too good to be true? And I think we understand Harry's point of view in terms of his relationship and support of Jeff when we learn about his mother, Mm. so Jeff's grandmother and aunt. We'll talk about that in a moment. So we have that moment where, like you said, Harry learns that Jeff has slept with girls. And I do Mm. think that, you know, Harry is an advocate and ally, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But his reaction, I think, is a commentary on what most parents especially feel about their queer children regardless of how accepting and loving they are that if they had a choice deep 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 down they would prefer them to be straight yeah and I think that's for a number of reasons I think one just because based on the world that we live in it would be easier you know, mm-hmm. their, their, their child wouldn't have to go through a lot of this self-discovery and, and labelling and essentially fighting just to exist. I think sometimes it's also that, you know, I'd love to be a grandparent <laughs> moment that, that, that people have. And especially, you know, in the 90s, not very common for queer people to have children and have families then as it is now. 
So I don't want to necessarily say that there's an, that it's driven by homophobia on, on Harry's part. Like, I, I don't think that that's the reason. But I, no. but I do think it is that commentary that no matter how accepting a parent is, given the choice, they would want their child to be heterosexual, I think. Yeah. And I think that that can be a confronting statement to make, especially yeah. because parents who are accepting of their children are, are loving and are advocates and, you know, they fight right alongside them. But I think deep down there is just that basic psychology of, you know, our social norms, our cultural norms and expectations, what we expect from men and women. And a lot of these things are all constructed <laughs> right? They're constructed realities, they're constructed expectations, but they're the ones that we have lived with our whole lives. So I do actually applaud the film for putting that little moment and having Harry react the way he does, because I don't think it's kind of like, oh, you know, this is great because I'm learning something about you that I didn't know. It's not, it's not that at all. I think he would love to have seen Jeff with a woman, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Um, and I think it could also be fueled because he's linking Jeff's experiences with loneliness and he doesn't want his son to be lonely. And Harry's thought is in that moment that, you know, heterosexuality equals not being lonely, I think, for someone who's yeah. young because the, these passages are easier. I found that really interesting and I think it adds to the depth of Harry's thought process. We understand why he's so accepting when he talks about his mother, who has the affectionate name of Gran. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Jeff has lovely memories of Gran and his aunt, Mary, who were yeah. together for 40 years. Those flashbacks were heartbreaking for me. Oh, me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's something about showing how their relationship was not given the validity that it deserved that it didn't really matter, that their pairing, Gran and Mary's pairing, was not seen as legitimate as if they had been a heterosexual couple. When we think about the time that they would have spent in one another's company, because they're together for, I think, 40 years, it's said. So she's obviously been a widow for a while. And, you know, you just think that all those decades together doesn't amount to anything because they lose any say or any control over their own relationship and where they are in their own lives. It's quite heartbreaking really. And, you know, when we look at how old Jeff is now and how young he was when his grand and his aunt were separated, that probably happened in the seventies, maybe. Yeah. You'd say. Yeah. Probably 60s, 70s, a different time, but yeah, but I think that the way that that Harry always speaks about his mother and the way that he reflects upon her and that that's the thought he has, his thinking of her when he has his stroke says a lot. So I feel like Harry's relationship with Jeff is how he's almost overcompensating because at the end of the day, he didn't stop the separation of Mary and, and his mother. You know, he, 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 he was an adult. He, he didn't stop that. He, he was quite passive. We see them being separated. He's just standing in the back. 
just with with the rest of the family not not being active or anything like that and there's no discussion of him saying that he thought that they should should have stayed together or, or anything so i think he's had his own growth as well and he doesn't want that sort of pain for his own son so is he too good to be true absolutely he's driven by fear i think and yeah. he does talk about how children are the sum of everyone who's come before them yeah. um, and he sees, I guess, his mother in his son. There's something really poetic about it. And there's a lot of moments where this film does come full circle, I think, and is quite nicely rounded and, and it's framed in such a beautiful way. But yeah, did you have much thoughts on that backstory there? Yeah, yeah. No, I really, I really loved the addition of the flashbacks and learning about Gren and mm. Mary and their story through the eyes of Jeff and through the eyes of Harry. That really does flesh out them as characters it fleshes out the story quite nicely doesn't feel shoehorned in Mm. or preachy or anything like it just it fits perfectly it makes sense I love the little off the cuff remark about how apparently the homosexuality skipped a generation (laughs) Uh, that was that was quite amusing but no those watching watching the flashbacks especially the last one when we're learning what happened in the end when Gran and Mary had to be separated because, like you said, their relationship was not recognized Mm. and they had to go into two separate homes because they couldn't look after themselves anymore. And it was just the way I love the way it's kind of edited and cut together because Mm -hmm. at first you get these glimpses of them being torn apart from each other and that's just heartbreaking in and of itself. But you see it as some as, as two elderly people who are going the way that they go when they can't take care of themselves anymore. But then you get this extra shot of the two of them in bed, their last night together. Mm -hmm. And we get that narration over the top about what they must have been thinking, what they must have said to each other and what they must have Mm. done, all of that. And I just, that floored me. I was, wow. Yeah, I was like, this is insane because it was just so beautiful and just tragic and heartbreaking and but it was so deeply moving yeah absolutely know? they went from being jeff's grandparents essentially to mm. two women two human beings mm. not even just the fact that they're women but two human beings i mean it is very important that they're both women because i think it's a beautiful representation of two women in love and just yeah. how love transcends time and love transcends Mm-hmm. the sexes the genders all all of it it was just so wonderfully done and really just I'm so glad that's in the movie it kind of goes into what I really my, one of my big takeaways from the, from this film is the fact that I just I just think it's ahead of its time really yeah. things we've been talking about about gender identity and gender roles and and the way homosexuality is portrayed in this and yes you're very much right about it having its context in the time of w- when it was made mm. while it can be and come across as a very pro queer film which it is it does have that backdrop of oh yeah we're still in the 90s and not everyone is as open and loving and accepting of queer culture and queer people as everyone should be but that aside i was just really impressed with how all of them just went for it in terms of the representation of these two wonderful men just being like, 
awkward first date kind of thing, (laughs) you know? Like, we see them being intimate with each other and I'm like, this is a movie that's rated like M, but a very, you know, it's M, it's a very soft M because, you know, it's there's not, not really a lot of racy stuff. But the fact that we're seeing, and it's not done to be controversial it's not done to to Mm. to make a statement really it's just it is because it is like that's you're going on a date with with a person you're going to make out with them at some point (laughs) and I just really loved the film's approach to that and then that also comes back towards the end of the film uh, when Harry is talking about again how accepting he is and you're right there may be some heavy-handedness with just the repeatedness, mm. repetitiveness, I should say, of his statements. But there was this one line that he said that I really loved. And it was, how could I be ashamed of what my love has become? Yeah. And I'm like, that says it all. Yeah. Really. really says it all. So basically all of that just kind of speaks to me is just this film. Just, it just The fact that it was made in 1994 blows my mind. It yeah. really does. It really does. It's so groundbreaking and just beautiful for that just the way it handles representation for the lgbtqia plus community it's just yeah it's just stunning yeah it's quite refreshing actually and i think even when we think about how old this movie is and how many queer films have been made since it's still quite unique and still has this element of being quite refreshing again because I think it's just so relatable you know we've talked a lot about this film and have unpacked a few things as well and there's a number of highlights (laughs) for both of us uh, from the some of us but Kendall did you have a particular favorite moment line or performance well like a lot of a lot of moments that I really liked outside of Harry and Jeff was just just the way that Jeff and Greg were around each other like I just they have a lot of really nice, sweet moments together. Some awkwardness and just some tenderness. Like I really like the supermarket scene quite a bit. I thought yeah. that was, I thought that was quite nice. Yeah, handled beautifully. <laughs> One moment that really took me by surprise. So after the heartbreaking turn of the film that I didn't expect was, you know, Harry having a stroke. Mm-hmm. Which, oh my god, the fact that. I mean, it's not Joyce's fault, but the fact that it was, it followed that awful moment of, you know, her learning the truth about Jeff. And I hated how she kind of, and it, but it makes sense for the time. And it just makes sense in general. If you're not, if you're a person who's not okay or understanding of homosexuality, for her to turn it into, oh, you lied to me. Like, yeah. Like she, she just turned it into, you know, a way that takes the blame off of her because Mm. even though I'm sure subconsciously she knows she has an opinion that is different and, Mm. you know, most people isn't the popular opinion, at least, you know, it's just, you know, it's just, she's trying to deflect and trying to put the blame on, on, on Harry and, Mm. you know, it just, it snowballs into this awful thing and Harry has a stroke and it's just, I, yeah, I was in tears. But then I was laughing because when she comes to visit and it's so nice, but then the camera's like focused on Harry. He's lying in bed, barely moving, but very aware of his surroundings. And then he just drops the facade and starts narrating the camera. (laughs) And I was like, what? (laughs) Like I almost forgot. I was so caught up in 
the yeah. drama um, and Jack Thompson's performance. He gave it his all, as we've said throughout this podcast, but just the way he was able to so naturally and easily switch from an invalid, essentially, to breaking the fourth wall yeah. and to, to really just kind of reminding you what you're watching. And I just... I don't know. I I I, I thought that was was nice, but it, but it shocked me a little bit <laughs> because he's still Harry. Uh, he might not be able to speak and move, but he's still the same person underneath. Um, yeah, un- underneath, yeah. exactly right. Underneath the whole thing, he's still he's still there, and this is how he feels. Yeah. 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 It was. Yeah. It was really really great, and I and I'm really glad that the film kind of left things for both Harry and Joyce, and both for. Jeff and Greg on on a positive note Mm. whilst Joyce and Harry obviously not together but who knows who knows what could happen but the fact that she kind of came to terms with the poor decision she made and the way she Mm. acted and and all of that and it's interesting how the lack of stereotype like you know the gay stereotype does not exist in this film and the lack of that really just kind of helps her to see that Jeff is just a normal He's a normal guy, you know? Yeah. But then at the same time, it's kind of, when you flip it a bit, that could also maybe be interpreted as, as bad. The fact that she's like, oh, he can't be that bad because he can pass as a straight. Yeah. It's quite problematic, so, isn't it? It's, it is. If yeah. anything, it probably reflects even worse on her. The fact that she yeah. doesn't say you're nothing like yeah. I expected because she yeah. was, I'm sure, expecting somebody who was overly effeminate, somebody who would be in your face, essentially a screaming queen, right? But in saying that, if Jeff was uber effeminate, if he, you know, was the the biggest queer stereotype you could ever think of, if the man was a queen, <laughs> right? Why should that change anything? Yeah, exactly. You know? So, yeah. So she feels stupid because she's let herself be prejudiced. But I argue that she wouldn't feel as silly if Jeff was overly effeminate and if he wasn't, yeah. you know, you're right. If he didn't, if he couldn't pass for straight, um, you know, if he didn't drink beers and say mate and all of those things, if, if he was a femme gay man, I think she would have probably had a sigh of relief more than anything to some degree for her to grow, for her to see gay people as humans. I guess she needed somebody like Jeff. Because yeah. it's kind of baby steps, really. Because when you're dealing with bigots, the oppressed always have to be the bigger person, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's exhausting. Yes, uh, yes, very much so. But, yeah, the other... And then the other side of the ending of the film, having, having like, a, a positive a positive end, I suppose, for, for Jeff and Greg, because we get this implication that things may just work out for them after all Mm. which is really which is really really nice and i and it's a shame that it kind of comes at a cost of missed time missed opportunities that they could have had but the fact that i feel like what happens with greg's parents especially Mm. his dad and the fact that he's kicked out um you know when when they learn who he really is the fact that that kind of maybe also helps to push him in the direction of Jeff by the end of the film. So, yeah. So, I mean, it sucks that it comes at that cost, but the fact that he's had this growth to be like, okay, I'm in a different place now than what I was and I'm more happy and more free to be who I am 
Yeah. So he's ready. He's ready to be with him basically. And I, I just, the entire garden scene at the end with Jeff and Harry, especially Harry on the bloody <laughs> bell. Oh my God. I was, I was tearing up again. This movie made me cry so much. Like yeah. have all happy tears, really. I mean, mostly happy tears. Like there's some sad tears obviously in there as well, but just the, the, the nice moments and the way Jack Thompson plays it on his face. Yeah. Like, that's acting, man. That's oh, acting. absolutely. Yeah. 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 Wayne, did you have any, any favorite lines, moments or, or, or characters, performances you want to talk about? Yeah. So I think in terms of my favorite moments, I love when Greg visits the home <laughs> of Jeff and Harry and yeah. just that whole sequence right. and i have to say even as an audience member harry is annoying you're like would you just leave the boys alone yeah, <laughs> you love your son you're supportive we get it go to bed yeah. <laughs> you can relax now it's okay uh but yeah. i yeah i just that sequence is absolutely lovely because we get so much character depth in there and um and i think it just sets up a lot of the story, especially the storyline for Jeff and Greg there as well. I do have to say John Paulson as Greg was absolutely amazing. Oh, great. He was really, really good. And I do like that, you know, you do get to see the two sides of the coin of acceptance and, 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 and being fearful and closeted. And I think you're right when you say that Greg had to essentially be kicked out of home. He had to lose his family in order to gain himself and that that's what we want to talk about how real this movie feels that's an incredibly real scenario for so Mm -hmm. many people and still is so i just cannot reiterate enough how identifiable i think this film is for a lot of people and especially because it talks about the themes of love and loneliness these are human feelings and the fact that we've got a heterosexual and a queer person uh, as our two leads feeling these things shows just how universal these feelings are. So I guess even just in terms of a moment, <laughs> uh, you know, just the themes of this film, I think were, were really strong and conveyed really well. If I had to narrow down performance that I liked, I have to give it to Russell Crowe. I just think that as one of our central characters here, he is just absolutely amazing. He is so relatable. The fact that he is vulnerable, the fact that he is strong, the fact that he has his moments of of weakness, the fact that he has annoying habits, (laughs) you know, the fact that he's unsure of himself, the fact that he's just really just this humble everyday guy it's just such a beautifully rounded character and it is performed perfectly my favorite moment i think would have to be when he visits harry in the hospital right after harry's had his stroke and he just you know when you can sort of learn to communicate with him that he understands why he's tapping and you know he collapses into his father and just promises to look after him. Cue the waterworks for everyone yeah. involved. Oh, yeah. And Russell Crowe sells that. Like, I just don't think anyone else 
could have. For me, he is absolute perfection in this movie. And we can see that he's had the career that he's had <laughs> and and the, the, the roles that would follow. And yeah, I just I just think he's such a wonderful reflection of the Australian film industry. And you know yeah. what? Just Australian movies are not made like this anymore. You know, no. there's something uniquely Australian about it, but you don't get them made anymore like this. No. So I think that the sum of us is actually quite special. But but Kendall, how special was it for you? Your final thoughts and a score out of five. Mm. Oh, it's that time. Mm. Oh, yeah. No, this movie was very special for me. Listening to you talking about it just then, just really reaffirmed for me the fact that I think, uh, you know, this is going to be one that I'm going to keep going back to. Mm. I'm not sure why it was never on my radar at all up until now, which is a shame, but I'm so glad that I've seen it and to be able to discuss it with you is a joy, as always is, of course. <laughs> But especially a film like this that both of us can relate to quite heavily. And I mean, most people, like you said, it is very relatable. Most people have similar experiences, if not the same experiences as what we see in this yeah. film. It's a very human story and it's delivered with a very authentic, very authentic script, a very authentic performance from each and every member of the cast, mm. which is funny to say and talk about being authentic when you're having fourth wall breaks, you're having having narration, you're having flashbacks, you're having all this, all all these tropes of cinema that are, you know, that definitely take you out of the film because Mm. they make you you realise you're watching a film, of course, but they're storytelling methods that I think work to great and essential effect. So plain that the film is adapted from a stage play, but it does not ruin it. I mean, some films that are adapted from the stage to the screen things can be lost in translation things just don't things just aren't interpreted the way that they should be but here for me even though I have never seen it Mm. performed on stage it just feels like everything works and it feels like nothing's missing and like I said it just feels ahead of its time Mm. you know the fact that this was written originally probably in the 80s like you said uh, and performed and then again here with David Stevens being able to bring his characters back to life through his screenplay here based on his play and then to have this cast acted out and for it to be shot the way it's shot and just to have this realness to it it's just and just the way it's just the way it portrays members of the lgbtqia plus community like you you didn't see this in the 90s no anywhere else nowhere else you ne- didn't exist did not exist and like, or if it did, it was very rarely and it was not handled as beautifully as mm. it is handled here. And especially in, in Australian cinema. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm incredibly grateful and thankful to everyone involved in this film for making this as special as it is. And yeah, especially to Russell Crowe and Jack Thompson for just two remarkable men who are forever linked by this incredible father-son bond and mm. this just I mean I, I can just keep saying it over and over again but there I just can't seem to find enough words to just really effectively say how much I was touched by their performances and by the way their characters are and act with each other and the kind of men they are and the kind of humans that they are yes they're not perfect and we've acknowledged that 
throughout our discussion but that's part of being human Mm -hmm. i think our imperfections make us make us who we are so yeah i'm just floored by this film i i absolutely loved it and everything about it i think i've just got to give it a five out of five to be honest (laughs) i I, yeah i i I, i'd I'd be like i give it a four and a half i don't know what the half would be for so i'm just yeah (laughs) it's it's a it's a it's a five five out of five from me wayne please take yeah it's a really sweet movie it's really well produced and exceptionally acted we've talked a lot (laughs) about about this film and and i feel like we've probably been repetitive a lot as well because you can't help but just go back to how well it's written and how well it is acted and how unique it is as well I, i think it's such a beautiful film i think it's really well made there's a part of me that really just wanted to delve more into some of the relationships. I think especially yeah. Jeff and Greg, it was so good. I just wanted more and I really wanted a lot more <laughs> of it. And I like the way the film ends. It's it's an upbeat ending, but nothing is is guaranteed. Jeff's final words are essentially of, of self-doubt. You know, I wonder if he'll show up. <laughs> And you've just got Harry rolling his eyes. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh. So I, I just, yeah, the personalities of these characters are just so on point. And there's a lot to like about this film. The way it's shot, the way it's edited, the score is gorgeous. We end with that beautiful Crowded House song. Oh, and amazing. It's, and it's just, the, it's just the most perfect song for the film and the way it ends. And especially because it is quite a domestic comedy drama. And I have to say that I really love sort of these smaller scale domestic set films. And I think because they are just so relatable, it's really well made. Jeff Burton and Kevin Dowling have directed a really fine movie. I think it's one that does endure. And I know that the play has... I'm sure being performed many, many, many times. Be interested to actually watch the play to to see how the difference is. And I think that there'd be something electrifying about seeing it unfold in front of you, really. But, you know, in, in terms of the movie, I think it's an Australian classic. And I think it's one that all people should see because it's got themes that all people can relate to. It's a solid effort. So it's four and a half out of five from me. (laughs) <laughs> wonderful wonderful yeah well Kendall we're in lockdown so that means we've been watching yes. lots of things mm-hmm. do you have a film or tv show you've been streaming that you'd like to recommend yes I do I would like to recommend Lovecraft Country mm. as a as a series to watch this one um, if you're listening in Australia you can catch it on binge or foxtel but in, in, in the US, it's on HBO Max uh, or just HBO straight up. But I, I really wanted to mention it because it's one of the most unique TV shows I've ever seen. Mm. Overall, it's like I've seen, I've definitely seen better shows, but just for the risks and the chances it takes in terms of the way it's telling sto- these stories, like the characters are fantastic. The cast is beyond fantastic as well Jonathan Majors is is the lead along with Journey Smollett and they're both just incredible in every scene they're in and it's just 
it's such a, a fantastical kind of look at the black experience during the 50s in America and kind of putting a supernatural twist on that at the same time. And I just kind of love the way that they, those two kind of different <laughs> different methods of storytelling kind of just collided and complemented each other so beautifully to kind of just literally, not, not to make another pun, but to craft <laughs> a, <laughs> craft a story that is just, like I said, one of the most unique that I've ever seen. And there's some beautiful cinematography and visual effects as well. And it's so moving and so powerful and a lot of fun in, in parts too. So yeah, Lovecraft Country is a must see, I think for a lot of people, you definitely would enjoy it. I'd give it a four out of five. Mm, nice one. Thank you. Yes. That one's been on my radar. Mm-hmm. for a while not high up there but maybe i'll need to push that up the priority list <laughs> excellent. excellent wayne do you have a recommendation for us yeah i do and i look i have to say i'm going to recommend this movie not necessarily because i think it's a great movie but i think because kendall you and i are film lovers and i think our audience love film so i think it's one worth suggesting the movie is an australian film called the set and it was released in 1970 and yeah so i streamed this one on amazon prime video and it is significant because it's the first feature film in australia to have homosexuality as a main theme So it's quite significant in terms of our storytelling and follows a young man named Paul who has parted ways with his girlfriend because she goes to travel overseas and he dreams of attending art school and he works his way into the Sydney art scene. And while he's doing that, he's got all of these really complex relationships and it gets a bit soap opera-y about who's sleeping with whom and who loves whom and who is just in it for fun and who's in it for this and for that. (laughs) You know, hey, I guess it was the 70s. (laughs) (laughs) And a part of Paul's journey is that he develops feelings for another man uh, and a man who essentially just dismisses him at first and then decides that, yeah, he wants to have sex with him because why not? Yeah, the guy that he's into is dating Paul's cousin. It's all very interwoven and entangled, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, as I said, it's, I'm, I'm recommending it more about its place in Australian cinema <laughs> history than because more it's, it's, a, it's a good movie. It's not a bad okay. film, mind you. Uh, it's shot in black and white. The cinematography is really good. Like the black and white cinematography is good. The film always looks really good. There's quite a bit of symbolism in terms of sexuality and religion and conservatism and and all of these different things. So I think a lot of thought's been made into the film. I don't know if it can sustain itself for for its uh, duration. So it sort of gets a bit sluggish towards the end. But I, you know, have to give a shout out to to the guy who plays our hero, Paul. His name is Sean McEwen. I've not seen him in anything else before, and I think this was one of his early films. It was an unknown. A lot of the actors aren't really familiar to contemporary audiences, but he's a gorgeous young man, and he delivers a really good and really empathetic and sympathetic performance. So I'd give the set three out of five. Nice, wonderful. So, yes. Yeah, so if you're into 
film history. I think it's worth seeing at least once. Yeah, cool. Well, Kendall, we've got all the time in the world to watch (laughs) (laughs) films and TV shows while we're in lockdown. Thank you so much for joining me on Fred Watch for today's episode. Of course. Thank you once again for having me. It's absolutely a pleasure, as it always is. Well, Kendall, you know it's always a pleasure and a privilege to have you join us at Fred Watch. And so we can't wait for you to do it all over again. And yes. the next film review is not too far away. And I um, mm. hope that our lovely listeners are enjoying our company during lockdown yes. and definitely are able to source the sum of us because they come with high recommendations from both of us Um, yes and speaking of lovely listeners thank you so much to the gorgeous christina rogos for recommending and suggesting movie so we're always open to our audience uh, requesting films for us to review we love nothing more than that so thank you absolutely christina thank you until next time i've been a wayne stellini and i've been a kendall richardson and you've just experienced fred watch That's why I tell you. I'm gonna cry. (laughs) (laughs) That song always got me in the feels, and boy, did it get me in the feels this time around. I know. Amazing, amazing. What a way to wrap it up. And scene. Blooper reel. There are certain bits of dialogue that you wouldn't put in a movie of like that you wouldn't put in this story if it were made today. To have healthy attitudes towards romance and towards the way that their significant others should be treated. So, yeah. um, Gosh, what else can I really, really, really say about? I mean, I just. I don't know. I don't know where to go from here. Uh, <laughs> you want me to cut in? No, it's okay. I, 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 I had a really good point that I wanted to say earlier, but I didn't want to interrupt you. So and now I kind of just want to get that point off my chest before I forget it. Um, but um, I'll work it. I'll work it back back in. Hello, okay. blooper reel. <laughs> sorry. No, don't be sorry at all. Yeah, because I, I had to. I had to watch this on Friday, so it's not as fresh for me. So I'm. No, that's okay. I'm looking at my notes and trying to go, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. No, you're, you're 100% right. Um, that's, that's for sure. Um, yeah. Oh, gosh. Um, what? <laughs> I'm falling apart here. Where, <laughs> yeah. Where, um, should we move on to other characters now? Yeah, yeah if you like. Yeah. I don't know if I have anything else I need to add right now. Following your lead. I know I I sort of ended that quite abruptly, but I was like, I've got nothing more to say. I've been talking for a while. (laughs) (laughs) He loves the sound of his own voice, I tells you. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, nothing wrong with that. No. We'll talk about that in a moment, but because you did talk about the... um, It's really well made. Jeff Burton and David. It's a very good effort. It's quite, in- can't say it's very good and incredible. They're two totally different things. <laughs> <laughs>
Insane. 